Welcome. This is Salty Therapy, and my name is Tammy. I'm a licensed clinical social worker with a private practice. However, this podcast is not intended to be used in place of professional treatment. It is intended for encouragement, information, and entertainment. So today we're going to talk about and explore anxiety. We're going to do this so that we can better understand anxiety and also discuss some coping skills that might be helpful in managing your symptoms. Now, before I get started, I do want to remind you, I am not a psychiatrist. This is for information only. This is not a diagnosis or a treatment plan. If you believe that you may be struggling with a mental health disorder, please contact your medical provider. There is a difference between fear and anxiety. Fear of something like, say, snakes is normal. However, worrying about that thing you fear to the point that it can interrupt your daily life or worrying about perceived threats would be classified as anxiety. So what is anxiety? Well, it would be excessive and intrusive worrying that disrupts daily functioning. There are many things that can cause anxiety. Um, First, bills and money. I don't think I have to expound on that. I'm pretty sure all of us at one point or another has been concerned about bills or money. Right now during COVID-19, there are many, 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 many people who have been furloughed or laid off or have small businesses that they've had to close. And so bills and money are absolutely at the top of the list for you. And, and it is anxiety provoking and absolutely makes sense. You may be anxious over confrontation. So there may be difficult conversations that you have to have. Maybe you're one of those people that have been laid off and you have to go home and tell your spouse. And that is anxiety provoking because you know, their response is going to be less than supportive or maybe very panicked or dramatic and you're not wanting to face that and it creates anxiety. Your children may cause anxiety. I am very grateful that all of my children are grown and living in their own homes and that I don't have to homeschool them right now. I have many friends who are homeschooling their children And they are not feeling equipped to be teachers for their children and their children miss their classrooms and they miss the, the structure of the classroom and they miss the way their teacher taught. And so the children are causing some disruption in the house. And this is very anxiety provoking for parents, um, worrying about our children's behavior and and how you're going to address those behaviors in a way that they don't continue to get worse and worse until you're at the point of no return. Um, You may be anxious about death or illness. Again, during COVID-19, I know that there's many of you listening right now that are consumed with the idea that you may be exposed to the illness, that you may have a family member that is exposed to the illness. They may be high risk. My my parents are in their 70s and 
when I think about them being exposed to this virus, I have a moment where I get anxious, but I have to, I have to bring it in and, and recognize what I'm in control of. Um, and then there are some of you that go even beyond the illness and think about if I am exposed or you may assume you're being exposed and, and just waiting for those symptoms to manifest. And then all of a sudden your mind goes to, am I going to die? Is my family member going to die? Um, other things that may cause anxiety is what others think of you, um, or what you think they think of you. Because we're not mind readers. We don't know what they're thinking of, un of us unless they're offering us their opinion. But oftentimes we're making things up in our mind based on our own life experiences and what other people have told us. And we may be misinterpreting somebody's mood or somebody's look on their face. We don't know that they may have been going through something stressful themselves and the look on their face has absolutely nothing to do with you. Anxiety may be about our work or our performance. If we don't feel like we're doing our job um, as well as we could or as well as we should, then we are anxious if our boss walks by or if the phone rings or if we get an email. It just rises up in us and think, oh, is this it? Is this, is this the end? Um, my husband received a phone call from one of his um, bosses and you know immediately he thought oh here's the phone call but really it was simply a phone call that it was a welfare check his boss wanted to check in on him and see how he was handling the crisis of COVID how his family was were we healthy did we need anything it was actually a phone call that was very kind and and um I have a lot of respect for the phone call because it was really showing that his company cares about him and doesn't just care about him, but cares about his family. Um, but initially, when he saw that number call up, the anxiety went up. Um, you may have anxiety over safety, comfort, stability, having having the sense of what might go wrong, Right. That comes down to locus of control. Um, there's there's something out there in in the world of psychology that is called the hierarchy of needs, and at the very bottom, if our safety, if we don't feel safe, if we don't feel secure, it's very hard for us to move up in that pyramid. We have to feel safe in order to feel like we can accomplish anything else. We need to be able to have food. Uh, we need to feel like we can um, get the things that we need. Um, and so you have a lot of Americans that are out of work right now. You have a lot of Americans that are sincerely concerned about where are they going to get their next meal from? Where, how are they going to get groceries? They're waiting on their unemployment benefits to, to come through. They don't have a savings and they genuinely need those questions answered or their anxiety is at the top um, and it's a constant state of being for them. Uh, there may be trauma-related triggers or post-traumatic stress disorder that causes anxiety. You may be hypervigilant, 
due to trauma that's occurred in your life. It could be a domestic violence. It could be a war-related trauma. It could be a sexual trauma, a sexual assault. And this is causing you to um, live in this heightened sense of anxiety over what may or may not happen based on what has happened in the past. So let's talk about the difference between anxiety and panic attacks. So the difference is there is anxiety disorder and then there is panic disorder. These are two different things. So generally speaking, anxiety lasts for longer periods of time. It grows in intensity over time. And if the anxiety continues to grow, the physical symptoms can become similar to a panic attack, but don't always. Okay. So they can become similar over time, but they don't always. A panic attack, generally speaking, is sudden and intense. It's brought on by a fear, which is real or imagined. And panic, panic attacks generally last 10 minutes or less, although some people can experience longer panic attacks, or they may experience um, concurrent panic attacks. So you may have a panic attack and be coming down and then, and then you'll have another one come right, right behind it. Um, and you may have, you know, two or three of those. It depends on what the situation is. So symptoms, panic attacks and anxiety can share some, some symptoms such as increased heart rate and shortness of breath. Panic attacks can also include chest pain, trembling, nausea or vomiting, feeling hot or cold, feeling disconnected from yourself, fear of dying. Anxiety can lead to irritability, insomnia, difficulty with concentrating, muscle tension as a result of holding on to stress that's created by anxiety. And not everyone will understand what you are feeling. And I have to say, for many of us, it's almost impossible to fully explain to someone that has not experienced anxiety or panic attack what, what it is you're going through. And unfortunately, because of that, it can make it difficult to talk about what you're going through. It can make it difficult asking for help. Um, it can be very frustrating. It can feel isolating. Um, and, and I'll give you a personal example. I went through a period of time where I was having quite a few panic attacks and, um, gosh, this period of time probably went on for about three years. Um, and they were pretty regular. And unfortunately for me, they didn't always have a very clear reason. It, they just came on. Um, my husband has never really struggled with anxiety. He's never had a panic attack. And so he has no point of reference when it comes to this, to this feeling or to even this concept. And one day I was having a panic attack and it was one in which I tried to lay down, but I couldn't lay down. I had this 
energy and this this electricity that just was surging through my body I was feeling like I was gonna die but cognitively I knew that that's not what was happening so I had my intellect battling with my emotional self and so they were going back and forth I was hot I was cold I didn't want to be around anybody but I didn't want to be alone and he knew that he should just give me my space to let me work through this he he knew that so he was sitting at the table doing some work and because I didn't want to be alone at that moment, I started looping him at the table. I was walking circles around the table and he finally said, maybe if you go get on the treadmill, you can run off some of that extra energy. <laughs> wow. To say I wanted to throat punch him would have been um, understated. Um, but again, my intellect stepped in, my emotional self said, I want to hurt you. And my intellect stepped in and said, he doesn't understand. And he truly did not understand what it was I was feeling. He just could not understand. Um, and so now we've, we've come to the point where when I'm having these kinds of episodes, whether it's anxiety or having a panic attack, that he knows basically what I need in terms of being left alone. I've learned to ask for what I need. So if I need certain comforts or encouragement or support, I know how to ask him for that. And he knows what that looks like. Um, and he knows now not to ask me why. That is such a frustrating question for me. And I don't know if it is for you. But that why question does not help me. Um, it almost brings on a sense of, I don't maybe shame, maybe embarrassment. Because when I if I have a why, and I start to articulate it, it's, it, it doesn't seem to match the, the intensity of the feelings at the time. And so I feel like I've done something wrong, or I'm reacting wrongly, but I can't control what's happening in the moment. So just staying away from that question for me is very important. Instead, asking what he can do for me and knowing how to respond to that with him is what's helpful. So coping skills. First of all, therapy. If you struggle with chronic anxiety, if you've been diagnosed with general anxiety disorder, um, if you have panic attacks, especially if they are um, chronic panic attacks where you're having them regularly, I am definitely recommending that you seek out a therapist that can help you and support you in, in learning coping skills and, and learning how to better manage that anxiety or those um, panic attacks. So it depends on what is causing the anxiety or the panic. The therapeutic intervention can address things like traumatic events that have occurred in your life, or if you've got um, a codependency issue that is 
I don't know, it could be related to a spouse, it could be related to a child or a parent, and that can be anxiety provoking. So you and your therapist can actually deal with the root of the anxiety or the root of the panic disorder. Some people may need therapy to determine if the triggers they are experiencing are something that can be addressed or to determine if there is a cognitive distortion. So what is a cognitive distortion? Well, this is a way of thinking. So cognitive is going to be your brain, right? It's what we're thinking, how we intellectually process something. And then distortion is what it, what it sounds like. It's distorting that, that perception, so there's, there's a lot of different distortions, but some of the more common ones is you may generalize. So that's making a broad interpretation from a few events that have occurred in your life. Like I'm always awkward because you were awkward in the middle school dance, or you were awkward when you were forced to perform on stage for your drama class, then you must always be awkward. You make that generalized statement about yourself and you, you adopt it as your truth. Um, another distortion is catastrophizing, seeing the worst case scenario only. Um, this used to be a big one for me. My husband had a motorcycle and at the time that he bought the motorcycle, I did not like motorcycles. Um, I'd had an, an, uh, experience when I was, um, a young teenager on a dirt bike where I was injured. My grandfather saw a very, um, graphic and traumatic, um, event occur on a motorcycle. So it was just really hammered into us as we were young people that motorcycles were dangerous and that terrible things could happen. And then of course my own, my own incident on the dirt bike just, you know, reinforced what my family was saying. So when my husband got this motorcycle, immediately my mind went to, you know, you're going to die. This is a death machine and you're going to die. Um, but as time went on, I decided that I was going to try to overcome the fear because I wanted to be able to do something with him that he enjoyed. So he asked me one day to go on the motorcycle with him. And I said, yes, we were going on a short ride I promise you we were not even off our street and I had a full face helmet on. We, we were fully protected. He'd been through, uh, riding lessons. He had his license. He was a good driver. I leaned down to him and through my helmet said, please don't have an accident because if you do, we're going to die and we're going to leave our children as orphans. And I was serious. I was very intense about this. And he literally pulled over and looked at me and he said, you, we're not even off our street and you've already have us having an accident, dying and leaving our children. We're literally going a mile down the road to get gas. That was all we were doing. And so he was right. He was absolutely right. And, and the truth is, is I had a pattern of doing this. So I had to really start taking those thoughts captive and, and look at them realistically. Um, you may have an all or nothing, uh, way of seeing the world absolutes. And you'll know if that's the way you see the world and think, if that's a distortion for you, if you find yourself using the words always, 
or never or everybody or every time. So this is an all or nothing way of thinking. So the last one is personalizing. So what that basically means is that I am responsible for events outside of my control. My mom is upset. I must have done something wrong. This is my fault. If she's upset, it must be my fault. If my husband comes home from a stressful day at work and he says something sideways, I catch it and go, I must be the reason he's not happy or he doesn't love me. That's why he's in a bad mood. Um, We make it about ourselves. And I'm not saying that it's self-centered. It could be a sense of low low self-worth or low self-esteem. We may not feel safe in that relationship. Uh, We may have some shame that we're holding on to in certain areas of our lives. There's different reasons why we personalize, but it's definitely a cognitive distortion. Oftentimes, if you were to dig a little deeper and be willing to go to the person or the situation that is causing the, the distortion for you and do a little more investigating, you'll probably find out it has absolutely nothing to do with you. So another coping skill that you can use um, is grounding and mindfulness. So I'd like to give you a few suggestions for uh, working these out. The first one is sit somewhere. I generally tell my clients to try to sit outside. Um, There's more stimuli out there. Um, Sit outside, get calm, get quiet, and begin to name out loud because there's something about speaking your words out loud and hearing your words come back to you. So saying out loud everything that you can see, smell, or hear and keep doing it. And the more you do that, the the more mindful you're becoming. And when you're mindful, those anxious thoughts don't have a lot of room because the anxious thoughts are generally outside of your mind there it's about those perceived threats remember so if we're talking about the realities that are directly in front of us and using our multiple senses to identify them then we're bringing that scope real close into our minds Um, a second one is hold a piece of ice this is a grounding exercise hold a piece of ice in your hand and concentrate What does it feel like in your hand? Is it cold? Is it starting to kind of burn? So you've got that comparison between cold and heat because of the burning sensation. What does it feel like as it melts in your hand? Does the shape change? Can you feel the water dripping between your fingers? Um, A third would be savor a a hot or cold drink. Maybe you make some tea in your favorite mug or your favorite china teacup. Feel the, the weight of that cup or that mug. Is there a texture to the vessel? Um, what does the temperature feel like as you're holding it? What does it feel like when you put the cup to your lips and you start to drink the beverage? Is it warm? Is it hot? Is it cold? Uh, is it sweet? Is it bitter? Is it creamy? Does it feel like um, something as it's going across your tongue and down your throat? 
Um, if you're drinking something carbonated, can you feel the fizz and the burn as it goes down the back of your throat? Um, another one is going to be a breathing exercise. Now, this is very, very helpful if you find yourself starting to have an anxiety attack or a panic attack. And I'm going to suggest if you're in that situation that you may do this two or three times, this, this complete cycle two or three times. So what you're going to do is you're going to breathe in through your nose for the count of four. You're going to hold that breath for the count of seven, and then you're going to release the air through puckered lips for the count of eight. And you're going to do that at least two more times. Now, it's really important when you let the air go that you have your lips puckered and that you are releasing that air slowly for the count of eight. You want to feel the air leaving your body. You want to hear the air leaving your body. And you are going to benefit from these breathing exercises in several ways. Number one, you become very mindful because you're being present in thinking about what kind of a breath you're taking in, counting the breaths, counting how long you're holding it, counting how long the exhale is. You are, um, you are in contact with your physical body, what that breath feels like coming in, what it feels like holding it, what it feels like releasing it. And also as you're taking in each breath, you're going to take it in a little bit deeper. You're going to slow your respirations down, which is going to slow your heart rate down. You're going to be taking in more oxygen, which is going to release more toxins from your muscles. So the tension that you're holding in your jaw or in your neck or in your shoulders is going to begin to release because those toxins that are built into those muscles, as you hold on to stress and anxiety are going to begin to release with the with the increased oxygen that is coming through your bloodstream. And then the last thing I'm going to suggest is meditation. And listen, I know that there's many of you that are like-minded as far as our Christian belief system, and I'm not talking about um, going into another religious experience. What I'm talking about is mindful breathing, getting still. You can meditate on the word of God. You can meditate simply using, um, nature or using your breaths. There are many guided meditations that you can find online that are, um, nature related or Christian inspired that you can record yourself using your own voice and then you can listen to them back. Uh, you may find apps that are out there that have, um, meditation that basically take you through breathing exercises and get your mind or your body very still and very quiet and get in touch with your body. Um, so meditation is something that is very, very helpful. Um, it's definitely helpful too, if you have trouble sleeping, uh, this is something that you can do at the end of your day to try to quiet your mind and relax and bring yourself down to, to a neutral position so that you can prepare to go to bed at night. So another coping skill I love, this is one of my favorites is a change in perspective. So when we're having anxiety or we're having panic attacks, what happens is we feel like we're out of control. And sometimes we are out of control, right? 
But that can be in part because we have allowed ourselves to come to a place of being out of control. Well, we have the option of changing our perspective. You can choose to take a pause and look at your situation differently, right? So what might I mean about that? Um, I don't know. Something that might be anxiety provoking could be um, the, the virus. Let's talk about the virus. So I can choose to be consumed with the thought that I'm going to be exposed to the virus, that I'm going to get sick, and that I'm going to be hospitalized and separated by, from my family, and I, could, and I could die. I could go down that rabbit trail. Um, not fun. I certainly wouldn't choose it. Um, I, or I can change my perspective and I can say, I am doing everything in my control, in my power to keep me safe. I am washing my hands the way I've been shown to wash my hands. I am wearing a mask. I am wearing gloves. I am washing my clothes. If I've gone out in public, I'm changing my shoes. I'm not wearing shoes in the house. Um, I am so practicing social distancing. So knowing that you're doing everything that you can to stay safe and believing that you are staying safe based on what you're choosing to do. You may not be able to control your initial thoughts, but you don't have to let them control you. Again, this requires a pause. So if your initial thought is, um, this isn't going to work, you can stop and say, okay, wait a minute. Why isn't this going to work? What, why shouldn't this work? I can give this a try. You can begin to challenge that thought and challenge that belief. Another way of changing your perspective is change your physical location. Go outside, look at nature, breathe deeply, take a walk, move your body. Changing perspective can simply be changing your visual, um, what you're looking at, right? Stop watching the news, put on a comedy, read a book, call a friend, FaceTime. Um, many people are using Zoom right now to have multiple people on at one time and having, you know, a group party. Um, pray, pray. It seems like such a simple answer, but so many people in the midst of the anxiety or the panic, they forget those simple things. Pray. In Timothy 1.7, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Pray that scripture. He took one spirit of fear that is not from him, and he's given us three things in place of it, which is power, love, and a sound mind. Claim that. Um, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, let your requests be made known to God. Pray that scripture. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He, he who is greater than the world, he who is greater than all these things that are or could be happening to you. 
He cares for you. Cast your anxiety on him. That's what the word says to do. Pray those scriptures. Go to the word of God and and believe in it. Another coping skill is being aware of your physical health. Monitor your caffeine intake to include chocolate. I know chocolate is my favorite too, but you got to start limiting things like sweets, those inflammatory foods, caffeine, which is going to make your heart rate go up. It's going to cause you to be more jittery just naturally, right? Consider eating that low inflammatory diet. Watch your sugars. Watch how much white stuff you're putting in your body, white flour, white pasta, white rice, white sugar, right? Eating more proteins and low um, complex carbohydrates. Um, And you will find that by eating a low inflammatory diet that it may have a positive impact on your level of anxiety. Exercise, move your body. Moving your body doesn't just help to change your perspective and change what you're doing and be a distraction, but exercise actually increases the endorphins that are running through your body. And if you don't know already, endorphins are those feel good hormones, right? So the more endorphins we have going, the less room we have for that negativity and that anxiety. So maybe when my husband told me to get on the treadmill, it wasn't such a bad idea. It just wasn't something that I wanted to hear in that moment. And then my last coping skill, psychiatric intervention. There may be a reason or a time that it's necessary to seek treatment with a psychiatric provider. This is a provider that if it's necessary can offer you medications that can be helpful in managing your anxiety or panic disorder. One of the things that um, I've had told to me by medical professionals is there is a cardiovascular um, response to uh, high levels of anxiety and or panic disorders. And, and there, you need to manage those levels. And so there may be a time when you need psychiatric intervention for that. So what is our goal? Our goal is to achieve peace, which is truly found in God alone, right? We have seen through COVID-19 that our world at best is unpredictable, and at times is unstable. We're experiencing that right now. But what I want you to know is God is not. God is not unpredictable, and he's certainly not unstable. He knew that this COVID-19 was happening. He knew how he already knows how it's going to come to an end or how this is all going to end up. And we can trust in that. The peace that we should be seeking is from the inside out. I heard somebody once say, and this meant something to me because I wrote it down, common tranquility of our soul, despite the circumstances of the world or our lives. That's the peace we should be seeking from the inside out. I'm going to say it again. Common tranquility of our soul. So our soul is tranquil. It's peaceful. Despite the circumstances of the world or our lives. 
That's an inside out piece. If you know Christ the Savior, understand that this is a temporary situation. It's just a blip on the timeline. We have an eternity to look forward to with our creator. So when you begin to feel like this is never going to end or you can't make it through this or how horrible this is and you go to those extreme um, distorted ways of thinking, I want you to bring it right back to this is just a blip on the timeline. This is a temporary situation. This is not your forever. Thank you for listening to Salty Therapy. I hope that you've been able to take something from today's episode that can help you. Remember the coping skills that we discussed and know that those aren't the only. I've just given you a few. If you go to a therapist, I'm sure they will give you more coping skills. There are support groups for people that struggle with anxiety and panic disorder. There are resources online. There are articles and books that you can read. My hope for you is that you're going to have a toolbox just full to overflowing with coping skills to choose from. Most importantly, What I want you to remember is to keep your eyes on God. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and give me a five-star rating and share it with your friends and family. If you have any comments or suggestions for future podcasts, you can also find me at saltytherapy.com backslash salty dash therapy dash podcast or at Salty Therapy on Instagram and Facebook. Peace and joy. See you next time. 